0: Well, thank you for joining today. Happy New Year. Um, That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to say it once. That's it. And then we're going to talk about other things. I absolutely hate New Year's. It's probably my least favorite holiday. Um, Mainly because it reminds me of my mortality and how I have one less year on this planet. Um, It also reminds me that the things I did or didn't do. uh, I just not a big fan of new years as a whole i think the whole entire holiday is got way too much morality in it and i like to just live my life without really counting the seconds till i die that's basically what it is for me that's all the holiday means it's basically just reminding you that you're going to die sometime um so there's a been a tremendous amount of depth um, ...that I usually find myself in this time of year. It's really cold outside. You're inside. Um, you're not really doing anything active. You're kind of lethargic. Can't really sleep because you've been stuck in the house. Can't really do much because of the weather. And you, you kind of get um, to reflect on who and what you are and how you got here. And and for me, um, I guess this episode is derived by happiness... And what I'm finding is, is that happiness comes at a real cost. For better or worse, real happiness comes at a cost. Because let's face it, not everyone in your bubble, your life, is happy. A lot of miserable fucking people out there. And... Sometimes they're friends, co-workers, family members. They just have this toxic approach to addressing life. And you may agree or disagree with them. But ultimately, we always subscribe to our own diatribes, our own thoughts, people who are like us. Does it mean we're right or wrong? I'm not real sure just means that we like a level of normalcy to our lives and to our existence. I'll share a little bit. Why not? This is a podcast, mainly about my perspective. But currently, I am having a falling out with a family member. And a lot of it has to do with a history that I can go on for days about. And... I have registered my thoughts to this person in our history and their decisions, and and I've forgiven them. I've pardoned them, if you will, the old presidential pardon. I, I gave them a clean slate because I absolutely agree that holding on to baggage relationships, feelings, emotions, they're they're very dangerous when they're toxic. Because like anything, like a cute like a cucumber in a pickle jar, eventually the cucumber becomes a pickle. Like you hang around toxic people, you will eventually become that that in itself. You will become toxic. And what has happened is that there's a whole launch pad of shit that was basically just burnt. And we said, we're not going to use that anymore as a as a point of reference. We're we're just going to move on. We're going to build a new perspective, a new point and say, you know what? That was the past. We're going to move on from it. And what proceeded to take point from that torching of the old launch pad of and what does a launch pad mean for me, metaphorically speaking, a launch pad is, is a point where you and that person Start. And what I'm saying is we we can't start there anymore. Because for me, it's it's not it's a bad place. It's toxic. It's where we didn't have an understanding where things were not right. And I want to move it over here. And I want to start from this perspective. But in order for us to do that, we have to recognize that it needs to be moved. And when you have family members, when you have friends that absolutely want to do not to deny excuse me, want to deny that it ever existed, you go into this egocentric mantra of, "Hey, I'm willing to move on from this, but you have to at least acknowledge it. Because a part of moving on from something is that both people together, collaboratively, are willing to understand and forgive what took place. Now, for whatever reason, this family member, they want to continue holding on to a narrative that... They made some bad decisions in their past. They want to hold on to that baggage. And by me wanting to address it, they are willing to sever all of our relationships with me, my wife, and kids because of their ego. Now, perhaps me coming on to this podcast, if you will, and expressing... My frustration, I will simply state this. When you are intentionally going out of your way to maliciously prevent closure, you're not only hurting, you're, you're hurting that other, you're hurting that person, obviously, but you're hurting yourself even more because you're the one that's ultimately holding on to that negative energy. And you're forcing the other person to kind of hang out in limbo waiting for you to finally come around to the fact that this needs to be discussed. And for a gaslight special, for that family member then to go to other family members and tell them that I haven't went out of my way to try to reach out to them vilifying me in an essence and continuing to play the victim card when they were in fact the culprit um, is very much a part of this new resolution that I'm coming up with about happiness and what happiness takes. Now there's real happiness. There's the real stuff. And it doesn't come easily. It comes with a tremendous amount of sacrifice whether that's um, compromising on things you don't agree with, whether that's closing your mouth and not saying something when somebody's wrong, whether that's forfeiting an opportunity for another person—I can go down the list. But happiness ultimately comes when both people are together and collaboratively attempting to make each other happy. It takes. Two sides, and at 37, and that's how old I am. I've just come to the conclusion that some people would rather hold on to the dogmatic old way of thinking that you know, when you get older, things just don't matter as much. the The little things seem trivial. Well, sorry, but people getting little kids getting punched in the face is not little things little kids being assaulted are not little things and you proceeding to gaslight people and play as if you're a victim because your ex-husband didn't go out of his way to be a father is a product of your poor decisions don't get me started on the father don't get me started on the father Because the father has at least addressed his shortcomings, his failures as a parent. And as a result, a healthy relationship, a new launch pad, a new starting point has been established as a result of it. You denying it and saying we're not relocating this until you fake it enough to want to continue to live in this space. I'm sorry, but this New Year's resolution, if there ever was one. Is to deprive myself of the negative energy. And that comes with sacrifice. Meaning me and that person are not able to have a healthy relationship. And that's unfortunate. Because you want that. You want that relationship with that person. Because they are a part of who you are. But at some point you have to ask yourself. If they're not willing to at least be honest with themselves. How are they ever going to be honest with you? And what is the real point of trying if they're incapable of even being honest with themselves. Instead, they keep going to other family members, being very manipulative, being very melancholy, being very depressing, and even going to very unhealthy family members and planting seeds of deception, like, as if it's a good thing. It's not how this world works. Not how it works, nor has it ever been that way. And that, that's life. Like, you've got to learn... That your health matters, but the people you love matter more. And you're going to have to sacrifice in order to keep peace. That's just a reality. But you don't have to sacrifice your soul as a result of it. There are ways to do it in a manner where both people can collaboratively come together and say, Okay, this is the past. We're going to move on from it. But I recognize that I need to do this better or I need to be more communicative when these things happen and just move on from it because forgiveness is such a tremendous opportunity. But in order for you to forgive, you have to first learn to forgive yourself enough to be able to talk about it, because if you have a tremendous amount of guilt as a result of your past, you're doing nothing but neutering yourself of experiences. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I spent quite a bit of time on that because I was talking about New Year's resolutions. But I wanted to just demonstrate for a moment, kind of a life-altering moment that I'm dealing with right now, the new year, and how that ultimately works. You know, how, how do we really grow as people? And how do we do it in a way that is not incredibly narcissistic? me 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 all the time because in our evolution we tend to want to tell our stories that's why i've always preferred third person stories i don't like when somebody's telling their own story i feel like i'm being lied to i don't feel like i'm getting an accurate depiction of what that person is what i would rather have is somebody from outside that's neutral come in and tell a story about that person about their life and what you find is that you get a tremendous amount of humanity in those stories. You get a tremendous amount of empathy. And a tremendous amount of understanding. And relatability. And realize that there are variations of us as people. But a lot of us think and feel and do a lot of the same things. So... That's my first part. Like, I, I just wanted to cover that. Just, like, emotional happiness comes with sacrifices. So, <clears throat> I'm not plugging a product here. But I, I'm I'm just going to talk about it. Because I've been wanting to try them for a while. And it's their Goalie nu- nutri- Nutrition Gummies. all right. And I, I've been trying them for a week now. Um, and I have to say, if there's one thing... I, I've tried the whole... Um apple cider vinegar with a spoon crap and god that was horrible to drink just making my mouth just water it if you've ever had I think it's called grandma's or something like that it's apple cider it's just brutal it just burns and it just very bitter but a lot of the same nutritional value comes in these goalie nutrition apple cider vinegar gummies and they are supposed to help with your dietary track um They have no GMLs, GMOs, and they're supposed to help with fortifying your gut health and a whole bunch of other things. So, um, I I can't really give you much of a thing other than they taste good. And so far I have not slept very well since I've been on these things. Can't say that's the reason why could be a lot of other things. The new year caffeine, which I've been drinking a lot of Mountain Dew energy drinks, another product plug, shameless plug, um, Two cups of coffee per can. 200 milligrams of the Mountain Dew energy drink. And and let me tell you something. I love the peach flavored ones. But what blows my mind about them is that I really do feel up and ready to go. And I feel really engaged with that volume of caffeine. 180 milligrams. Like one can of Diet Dr. Pepper's got like 40. It's four cans of pop um they've been sold out everywhere i can't get my favorite flavors unless i go to the gas station and they cost four times as much so i can't wait for those to come back but i really need to slow down on the volume of caffeine i drink but naturally i i i, I gravitate toward low calorie drinks that have lots of caffeine to keep me kind of up and about so those aren't really plugs. But those are things that I've been I've been trying. And um, I'm a big fan of the Mountain Dew. Like my, one of my favorite drinks is the Mountain Dew Code Reds. They bring back so many childhood memories. Good ones. Going fishing with my dad. Um, I always would get a Diet Dr. Pepper or, or a Code Red. And he would always get like the Mountain Dew. The traditional one. Those are... I don't know. Mountain Dew's got a very nostalgic thing. And, and the can's spelled D E W, And my son calls it Mitten. Not Mountain. Mitten Dew. He thinks he's hilarious. What else? Um, so, this whole COVID situation. I've, I've done podcasts on it. And it's leaked into everything. It's leaked into our sports. It's leaked into our politics. It's it's flooded our politics, let's face it. Um, Everything is political. And this year is an election year. A midterm election, which, in my opinion, if you're into um, just understanding your social studies and your politics and your civics... You'll understand that your midterm election is arguably the most important because it doesn't get the same coverage as the presidential election. The presidential election is kind of like the Olympics, you get it once every four years. But the midterms are so important because it, it's a real live indication of how the people feel you're doing politically as a country. And when you get drastic changes from one party to the other, it's a result of failed promises. And if you think about that historically, like every sitting president who had the House and Senate who got elected almost historically loses the house in his after his first two years. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that even if you have a majority in the Senate and the House, people expect you to get results early. And it's really hard for humans to emotionally hold on to that kind of grudge toward a specific group for that long. So when elections happen like they do, um, you've got to very, very much capitalize on the moment. And I have to say, for the first year of Biden being in office to not be able to pass the Build Back Better bill Personally, I feel a lot better with him not building back better because it's a tremendous amount of pork in the bill. And if you really look at the trillions of dollars spent, roughly 10% of it goes toward infrastructure. The other 90 or so percent goes toward social programs, which is exactly the problem this country has currently, which is way too many social programs. Let's not talk about the, the canary in the coal mine with the inflation index the way it is. I don't even think the inflation index has caught up to what the actual inflation rate is because it was such a strong dosage of cash that hit the market. People held on to it and are continuing to hold on to it that once those dollars are dumped into the market, it's only a matter of time, right? So time will tell what the damage is on the inflation index, but the parameters of Combating inflation are going to be the Fed chronically having to inject interest rates into our loans to pay for this huge bill that's about ready to be be passed. And I'm going to be honest with you, even with it having Democrat moderates, dinos, um, Democrats in name only, Democrats who are on the moderate side of things, who might be historically prejudiced towards certain groups of people. Um, they themselves are not academically defending their positions the way that they should. Um, I think that when you hear senators who are voting against the Build Back Better bill who are Democrat, you have to ask yourself um, what is it that is basically stagnating this entire effort? Right. So when we first talk about Joe Manchin, he's a Democrat, West Virginia um, senator, I believe. This dude, listening to him talk about um, the stimulus, listen, stimulus one was fine. I would argue stimulus two was probably okay. But once we got into the third stimulus and now Democrats are talking about a fourth one, we're getting to a point where we're chronically subsidizing everyone. And I think most politicians that are on the right of this issue, or at least centric about it, recognize that we need some form of, of stimulus for people who have not gotten back on their feet. But there needs to be some evidence to suggest that they haven't been back on their feet before you just start dulling out checks again, like you have been for the last three years. Big stimulus payments. You have to have some accountability. And as Congress returns this week from their long holiday and the chaos that has unfolded over the month of December, how the Senate responds to West Virginia Democrats' blockage will be the question of the year, as more than 1.7 trillion, including a record 555 billion, that is inspired by climate change, happens to hang in the balance. And what I love about this bill is that roughly 40% of the bill, 50% of the bill, is contingent on liberal policies, ones which, by the way, aren't going to fix the climate change efforts overnight. So the Democrats sitting here, acting like Joe Manchin and other Democrats, are basically setting a... Uh, a a beaker underneath the earth and just lighting the flame and casting the the earth on fire are are liars. Because let's be honest, we've been ruining this planet for the better part of 150 years with really no checks and balances. And what's another year at this point? You've already fucked up the earth well enough beyond recognition that we are not getting winners in Pennsylvania. There are, there are fires in Colorado. There are tornadoes in Alabama and in Kentucky in December. So going back to the table and getting it done is important to the Democrats. But the caucus itself needs to address the fundamentals of the bill and say, okay, if it's really about infrastructure, it needs to be about infrastructure. These other things you're trying to to try to put into it in terms of a social spending bill need to be redacted and made separate because those things aren't going to pass as hastily as that of a regular Build Back Better bill because it's supposed to be about infrastructure, stupid, not about people getting another stimulus. And if you're going to give another stimulus out, you need to have more checks and balances and not just give it to somebody just because they make under a certain amount of money. That is bizarre. So what's going to end up happening, and this is going to hurt the Democrat Party, but I think that they're going to have to use their complete control of the Senate and the House as they're going to force the vote, the package, through and hope that somehow... Chuck Schumer, the the majority leader in the House, can can pass the damn bill. Which it will fail, and it will serve as a catalyst to renew efforts in a new package. The goal was to dial back the bill in a framework that negotiated multiple times over the bill. It was supposed to be a three point two trillion stimulus bill, then it was two point one and now it's one point seven. So what you gotta do is you gotta slowly inject these dollars into the into the the country and into the world. Because there's just too many of them. Whether you like it or not, the Senate is 50-50 still. Don't care if they have a tiebreaker or not. But the fundamentals are that the Democrat leaders need to find a way to be a little bit more understanding of the ramifications of this bill and the volume of dollars being spent because of the volumes of dollars spent under a Trump presidency and a first year under Biden. And as far as this climate breakout, I'm sorry, but that's the private sector's job. These dollars that you're talking about, they're not going to infrastructure projects that are toward green energy and climate change efforts. What they're toward is loading the pockets of lobbyists. What needs to happen is those dollars need to become in the form of subsidies to encourage companies, utility companies around the country, to pump dollars into solar panels and to wind turbine technology that make it more sufficient. Because right now, solar panels take up way too much space. Wind windmills are killing tons of birds, and they're not fully functional. And it takes roughly a thousand a piece to equate to that of a nuclear power plant. Explain to me exactly again how those are actually making the world a safer place when you're exerting more carbon to put them in than it would just to put in another nuclear power plant. That I don't really understand. After you factored the logistics and getting a truck from A to B and running generators and getting everything else up to put up a a windmill or a solar panel. When do you have a net carbon deficit? At what point? Because building those things and getting everything up to speed, by the time you get all that done, all you've really done is diversified the grid with a different type of utility, but you really haven't done anything in the forms of saving the planet. We talk about Teslas. To fix a Tesla costs like $20,000. The cars cost like $60,000. And to mine for the batteries is incredibly horrible for the environment. And we keep plugging and playing these batteries in these cars and we're thinking that we're energy efficient. Well, guess what? When you go to plug in your car, it costs almost just as much as it would cost for you to put in E85 ethanol in your car. It just doesn't freaking matter. How does that generation, that utility that goes into that charge port that goes into your car, how is that created? Is that created from wind, solar? Is it created from a nuclear power plant, which is still the cleanest method of power? Like, let's think about this stuff, folks. Quit putting the finger on the world needs cleaner air. How do we solve cleaner air? What we need to focus on is cleaning the trash out of the ocean. Picking up litter on the side of the street. Incentivizing people to pick up trash like they do in Iowa, by the way. Fantastic model to keep the environment clean. Incentivizing people to have a better understanding of recycling and make it more efficient and easier to accomplish. Forcing companies to stop producing plastic so damn much and use other alternatives to contain and sell their stuff. And by the way, again, incentivize more recycling and those companies continuing to use recycled products like this very Mountain Dew can that I'm using. Who's to say that we can't make more of an effort to make it easier for the trash companies to take the aluminum and repurpose it rather than them having to sift through trillions of tons of trash. Trillion is a really large number, but you get my point. The reality is, is if this bill is really centered around energy and it's centered around um, saving the planet, let's start there. But don't sit here and ask for $1.7 trillion when you're not really trying to fix the issue at hand. If you're Biden, you need to take small victories. If you want to possibly hold a couple seats as a Democrat, you need to work on moderate issues. The first moderate issue is student loan forgiveness. First of all, I'm not telling people to forgive their loans. But I can tell you as a person who pays into their student loans that what I would like to see is an interest rate adjustment. And that amount that I paid toward the principal over the last 10 years go directly toward the principal and then them repurpose my interest to 2% and then everybody has a 2% interest rate every year. That's a more manageable, more palatable, capable way of paying for things. The second thing they need to do is make college, so let make it less freaking expensive. I get in arguments with people online all the time about how football players in college shouldn't get paid because they're getting a free education. Have you been to college lately? Is it really that great anymore? Unless you're getting it in a STEM field, it ain't worth shit, folks. You might as well have just spent four extra years your senior year in high school. That's how helpful it is. If you're not going to pay the college athlete, University of Ohio State, then you should reduce the cost of education there. $10,000 a year. Have some sweat in the game. And if you finish your degree, reduce it to 30 and say congratulations. If you don't finish, charge them for the full amount. But you're still only out forty grand, which is a car payment. And if you don't have ridiculously disgusting interest rates, you should be able to pay that off in five or ten years. But they're not doing it like that because our government's stupid. The other thing Joe Biden needs to do if he's gonna to continue to hold some kind of democratic majority in his Congress, is he needs to recognize that the COVID vaccine is not our saving grace. And in fact, all of the money that went into putting out the vaccine, now the vaccine is pretty much null and void. With the Delta variant basically going down and the Omicron virus taking over the Delta over the next six months, which is a far less deadly virus, how much longer are Democrats really gonna hold on to the mask mandate? How long are they really gonna hold on to these other mandates? Because if we're being completely honest, the Omicron virus, the, the variant, is proven to not be as scary or as deadly as the Delta or the Alpha variant. Quit fear mongering, quit forcing employees to for our employers to force their employees to get vaccinated. They said once we got 60% of the population vaccinated that we could go back to normal. It is yet to go back to normal. I still got dumbasses wearing masks at a Walmart. Listen, you're in a Walmart. The grossest people in the country go to Walmart. You're not going to survive a real pandemic. Some real World War Z shit wearing a mask. The fucking people at Walmart just hanging out in their pajamas and colored hair. It's just not going to happen. You're going to get sick unless you got the hygiene of myself which is I bathe every day and I wash my hands regularly and when I'm sick I stay home um, you're gonna get sick eventually there are people who are wearing hazmat suits still like how dumb are you I'm not trying to Marginalize people and their feelings. Everybody's got their own perspectives. But if you're wearing a hazmat suit and you look like Marty McFly from Back to the Future when he's wearing that radioactive suit when they're taking out the uranium rods out of that suitcase and they put it into the DeLorean, you look, you're, you're a joke. you are you're, you're just, you're a clown. <laughs> like I've seen it. Seen it. And and you can't unsee it once you see it. Like porn stars literally are wearing masks during shooting scenes. Yeah, it's a thing. People are literally having sex with masks on. How do I know that? Don't ask me. But it's a thing. It's a thing. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. Just wash your hands. Stay home when you're sick. If you can work remotely from home, congrats. And quit judging people for not getting vaccinated. I'm vaccinated and I give zero shits if you're vaccinated. Well, 100% of the people who died from COVID, well, they... They have a different perspective on it. Oh, they don't. They don't have a perspective on it because they're dead. That's sad and sick and morbid way to think, but it's just the way it is. People died from this thing. It's real, and, it, and, it, and it, it's unfortunate. But if you're smart enough... And you care enough about yourself and your family members, don't die on that hill. Don't die on that hill, please. I'm gonna wrap this up. Yeah, I'm gonna wrap it up. Take up a hobby. You know, take up take up a hobby and and do something new. I, I did Duolingo for a year now. I'm kind of frustrated because I was in the top of the league and I got into the last week of my my tournament and I got 17th place and I needed 15th place to win. So I'm really mad at myself for that. But I'm learning another language and I highly encourage everybody else to try to learn a language, probably Chinese, because they're definitely trying to take over the world. And for those of you that get your news from Fox or CNN, I highly encourage you to look up, even YouTube, what's going on between Australia, the South Pacific Islands, and China right now. Look up coal trade in China. Um, and what happened to Australia they had a ship that sat in international waters for 8 months because of legislation that was passed prior to the ship um, leaving Australia and by the time they got there a Chinese law was passed that said we're not importing any coal from other countries and what ended up happening in China was they had blackouts, brownouts and tons of people died at do to their country impulsively making decisions and not really thinking through the consequences of their decisions. And for people who say America sucks because we don't get anything done, the best policy in governing is to wait and see what happens. Because impulsively making decisions is exactly why tyrannical countries like China kill millions of people a year is because they don't wait for the waters to settle before they react. They're very much emotionally reactive and there's only a handful of people that make those decisions. So that's the strength the American people need to hold on to. is the long painful process of making a choice. Because god dang in the next 20 years put your money into India stock because China's falling apart. They are falling apart and people don't know it yet because they're not being told it anyways hope you guys had a wonderful new year it's the only time i'm going to say it i hope you guys have a wonderful week and as always please subscribe to these podcasts and for any other reason every dollar that i get on these podcasts goes directly toward a combat veteran charity of 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 my choice obviously um it's so important to provide communities to veterans um, 22 veterans a day kill themselves. I'm going to continue to preach that this year. If that's my New Year's resolution, that's it. 22 veterans a day kill themselves. And that's just 22 too many. So we need to really focus on building back better our people. Emotionally, psychologically, financially. And we do that by listening, but also at times throwing out some cash to help get them in the right way. All right, everybody. Everybody love everybody.